0: Welcome, everybody, to Sonic Talk, episode 468. This is the podcast that talks about music technology, software, quite a lot of software this week, actually. Synthesizers, drum machines, electronics, electronic engineering, electronic music, electronic production, live production, all of those things. So if that's the th- sort of stuff you're interested in, hang about, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Also want to say thank you to our sponsors for this week, uh, Isotope, uh, who will be giving away yet another copy of Synth, their multi-format uh, vocal- vocal processor, harmonies, vocoding, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you can find out about that roughly halfway through the show, so do stay tuned for that. Also want to say hello to the Folsom chat room, uh, which there do seem to be a lot of people in there this week, which is awesome. Uh, let me see how many we've got. Oh, over 100. Excellent. And we've also got our guys and gals on YouTube because we stream this lot via YouTube Live, which is embedded on our, pro- on our page. So we've got our own IRC server. Uh, this will also uh, is, in fact... Also now going live to Facebook Live. This is a new thing for us. Uh, sorry if you're belated uh, start for Facebook Live, people. I've just sent it live. Uh, I might just pause and preamble a bit there. So hello and welcome everybody on Facebook too. This is Sonic Talk uh, three four hundred and sixty eight. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you might have just missed the intro, but hey, what the hell? I'll just have to. Uh, you'll just have to stick with me. So uh, anyway. Uh, where was I? I was getting lost there. Sorry, I was a bit flummoxed. That's the thing, because now we've introduced all these additional streams, it tends to kind of mount up. The amount of things that you've got to do and deal with tends to get a little bit uh, um, over the top. Anyway, so let's say hello to our guest this week. Uh, we've on his lonesome, Mr. Rich Hilton from uh, Sunny, Connecticut, where he's uh Nile Rodgers studio guy and also tours the world as a member of the disco band Chic. How are you, Rich? Are you well?
1: Yes, I am. Well, thank you.
0: I am very glad to hear that. And I'm glad that you managed to join us this week. Uh, Hiltonius.com. Check out, well, it's not entirely up to date, but you know, you can get a sense (laughs) of what Rich is up to. Check discographies. That's probably your best bet. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, well, Hiltonius.com still does the trick, sort of Excellent, well, I'm glad to hear that So, uh, this week, uh, we've got quite a lot of stuff
0: coming on Now, let's start with this Because this is a really interesting bit of software That I actually, I'm surprised no one's done before It's from Dialog Audio
1: <laughs> And it starts out very
0: quietly It certainly does This is a guy, uh, as was, is the, uh, here we go Hi, and welcome to this introduction to the Dialogue Audio Modulation Processor. This treat. is the same guy who does the voiceover work a for. A powerful modulator plugin, which UVI. helps to integrate your hardware synths into a modern DAW environment, with all the convenience of tempo and host synchronization that we've come to expect from plugins.
1: Synths with MIDI
0: inputs can be modulated via MIDI continuous controllers or system-exclusive messages. Or you can patch spare outputs from your audio interface to your analog synths control voltage inputs and generate high-resolution audio rate CV modulation. And of course, you can use it to modulate other plugins as well as hardware. I'll stop it there but the key the key thing is not really the fact that it's got the uh, cv output the fact that it's got uh, i think it what's the what's it got it's got uh th- i think it's three lfos let me see yeah three lfos two slope generators four envelope generators and four vca outputs And that basically, you can route that, obviously, out to CV out, which is not something new. It's something that expert sleepers have been doing for a long time. But you can modulate MIDI values such as CCs and system-exclusive strings, which means that you can send this out into hardware world and have everything sort of clocking from the same kind of book. And that is something that I I think is really interesting. I don't know if – it seems like such a simple idea, Rich. And every time I say this to people, they say, oh, it's really difficult
1: interpolation. But these guys seem to have done it, right? Yeah, Yeah, I've been waiting for one of these since the Dr. Click in the early 80s, which had um, two control voltage generators of variable wave shape and variable time subdivision to the FSK that it was reading and uh, enabled you to actually do clocked control voltages, two of them at the same time. Um, And uh, that was really cool. And I sort of wondered when somebody else would get this idea. And uh, this is cool. This is just unbelievably cool, the way you can use it across the platforms and stuff, and uh, the way it's dedicated pretty much to control information. I love that.
0: I mean, because the thing is also you can bus things internally via MIDI and modulate other parameters that aren't modulatable. And I I remember, because every time I review a MIDI controller now, I think, why don't they just put like MIDI LFOs in there so you can... Sync those to external tempo and then map them to a specific control value with maximum min. I mean, it just seems like a real no-brainer to me. But you know, obviously, it's been difficult. I mean, the thing about this is, it's fifty bucks, which is astonishingly good value considering you know what it can do, uh, at mm-hmm. least on paper. Obviously, we haven't seen this. It's available for Mac, OS X ten point seven plus, Windows seven, eight, ten. And this is what it looks like. So you can you can send CC, uh, and you might not be able to see there, but there are a couple of screenshots here. If I break that you can see down the bottom here. There's uh, X strings, and I'm guessing one of those values would be you know you assign it to whatever the the, the modulator is, and you also do CV gear, obviously if you've got a, a DC coupled uh, thing, and also in host I just think, duh it's one of those things that i'd like to try out and i wonder how fast you can get because obviously when you're moving slowly la uh, controller values that maybe only have uh, 128 maybe this does nrpns as well then you know you're gonna get stepping and stuff but you know how fast were you getting on uh, with dr click you know when you were sending out could you actually get quite smooth movements or was it a bit
1: Yeah, yeah yeah i loved it i i used to love it and uh even talked to Dan Garfield, the inventor of the thing about it, um, really loved using clocked control voltages. At the time, all I was doing with it is some control of delays. Uh, I remember one situation where I wanted a flanger to occur in a particular place in the rhythm all the time and, uh, you know, in a sort of descending flange and it was easy to do that and uh, I used to use it to change the pitch of drum machine toms and such certain things that were controllable by cv I was playing around with at the time yeah so yeah used it loved it have experiment results I did back whatever 25 30 years ago i wonder what fun. else i'm wondering what else these
0: guys do uh I'm just looking at uh, what it is that they also do. Dialog audio is not necessarily a kind of uh, a, a name you'd think would be uh, to do with MIDI and control voltage. It looks like that's it. More things to come. So we're just going to have to stay tuned for, their, uh, for, for more of their additional stuff. But anyway, that's well, it, the... Avoids
1: the, it avoids the whole conversation of how
0: does it sound? Yeah, that's true. We could just talk about the concept of it, and the concept of it is flipping great. And I wonder how possible it would be to put in MIDI controllers. I mean, it just seems like you know, like a lot of the M audio stuff. I think it would be so good to just be able to map, particularly when you've got things that that don't aren't modulatable. I mean, it means that you can bust things as you wish. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you're not getting it, perhaps why that you would need this. The idea is you could modulate parameters over MIDI and CC in, in, in synthesizers that aren't, that those parameters are not modulatable. And I suppose the only downside might be if they are a bit zippery or they're not designed to be moved, then you might get hardware issues because of that. But generally speaking, I mean, that's something that is, is a pretty much a first.
1: Yeah. So, what's the SysX Stream get like when you start doing a bunch of that is the other question.
0: Yeah, well, because the priorities for SysX is different, isn't it, to real-time uh, com- uh, um, CC control, and I don't know how it prioritises. I guess if you had your own MIDI port for it, you've got a multi-IO interface, it shouldn't be an issue, right? I... I... Yeah, I wouldn't I'm thought, only guessing.
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so, because <laughs> right.
0: obviously, you know, in, inside the computer, the computer could handle manipulations of strings like that all day, I'd imagine. I can't think that it would clog up at that end. But sometimes things, certain MIDI ports and MIDI interfaces do get a bit upset by having large amounts of continually variable sysx. I mean, it does tend to, sometimes, on some older synths anyway, not work in quite the way you'd like, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Somebody will find out. But there are some there are some really good examples uh, on here. Uh, um, some audio examples of, of stuff. Which uh, let me see if I can scroll down in here. There's a really nice uh, deep Juno six bass. I think this And that bass sound. Oh, that's the wrong button. So this is modulating the filter. So you know it's capable of doing. And oh, this is JHP. Well, this is SysX and i'm guessing it's modulating that but that that sounds pretty good so i'm guessing maybe this uh this software has some kind of interpolation built in so it's helping smooth those parameters anyway so anyway do check it out uh 50 bucks you know it's pretty you know, i mean i think i might get hold of that because i think it's the sort of thing that'd be very useful all over the place right let's try another topic This is, uh, Modo Bass, which is the new, physically modelling bass plugin from RK Multimedia, who are formerly really known for amp modelling and sample sets. So this is kind of a new, this has apparently been eight years in the making. These has got 16 basses, which you can sort... Of, I mean, under this mix, it sounds very authentic. Whoa! Uh, actually, I could do without that in my ears. I don't want to hear lots of distorted guitars. Um, but the first... Yeah, they call it the first physically modelled electric bass. I don't know if that's true. I guess it must be. Uh, and it's been... Um, uh, they, they say they've been working on it with... Uh, no, I did get an email just before the show started from my contact at IK, said uh, eight years in development with one of the oldest universities in Europe, but no one anywhere seemed to have a list of it. But it is the University of Padua, which is established in 1222. So I'm guessing if they started thinking about modelling electric bases back then, they probably are pretty good at it by now. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's the case, though. <laughs> but this is, I mean, there are quite a lot of examples here. I mean, I think um, there's a whole bunch of, you know, that, that, uh, that initial thing was not absolutely great, but I've got, there's a load of SoundCloud stuff here, which is a bit more... Which is a lot more impressive. I don't know how much better that it is than a good sample library, but I think there's more expression in there. And there's a bit of uh, Jacko. Although it's not a fretless bass, obviously, this one. Let's chill out, Rich. It's much nicer than all that kind of uh, thrashy electric guitars and stuff. So this is an interesting idea.
1: It is. And sounds great in their demo. And uh, as you point out is uh, new ground for IK in terms of software presentations. I don't recall them doing any other modeling instruments before. No, it sounded great in the demos and they've got a, they've got parameters for everything. And then some, so, you know, you can tweak to your heart's content. (laughs) I would assume that they provide a host of good starting points, but, uh, there's an insane level of model tweakability in this thing, including replacing and moving pickups and determining hand positions. And
0: yeah, I've things. got a little shot I, of the interface here, which is uh, determining hand positions. So you you can control the position of the where you're eff- effectively playing the bass. Uh, where the that, hand is. Where the hand is. Yeah. The right. The
1: hand that's striking the strings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I I'm, I am a bit of a sucker for. Um, good-sounding electric basses. I really like the sound of a Plectrum Rickenbacker through an Ampeg kind of just giving it some. You know, it really uh-huh. you know, does something to me. I mean, I guess it's my, you know, being being around in the early days of punk and hearing all that kind of thrashy sound and the jam and those things. And then I've tried to recreate, I mean, I've tried to recreate those sounds with real bassists, but, I mean, it's really hard, actually, because they you have to have the right kind of amp rig, which is not a common thing, a big kind of like PV eight by ten or whatever. It's just not the sort of thing you see people with today. But presumably, with this, you could kind of build that stuff in.
1: They they suggest that you should be able to do that, and uh, there are existing softwares. I think you could use Scarby's Rickenbacker for uh, native instruments. Is yeah, just really uh, that's the, I did use uh, that
0: last time actually, and it, I loved it.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, actually, his would be, in my view, the bar that's been set. If you want to really go after who's done bass guitars in my view better than anybody, you got to start from Thomas Scarby. And uh you could move on to Eric Persing and uh who and the nice people at Spectrosonics cuz Trillian is absolutely no slouch ever. But um Scarby's basses are un- are uniformly incredibly well done and uh might get you closest to that sort of pick on a Rickenbacker. Although this thing, I would like to hear it. And it's got a couple of amp models. I'm a little surprised, given all of the stuff they've got, that there are literally two amp models at the end of that whole thing that you can go through. Um Right, it I think I've got a shot. What's
0: that? That looks like uh, uh, there's that? a
1: there's a solid state and there's a tube, and the tube is supposed to look like some sort of big old Ampeg.
0: Yeah, that looks like the Ampeg flip top, but with not in the flip top. Right. Yeah, that looks and like a little it.
1: bit bigger speaker yeah, and enclosure. And that one looks
0: like uh, I don't know what that looks like. Is that like a Ampeg uh, as well? Maybe a know.
1: more recently GK style or whatever Eden or may, maybe it's uh, I you know I'm speculating here, but the point is there's only two of them, and neither of them is that eight by 10 configuration that you were just talking about that uh, Ampeg SVT sort of popularized. Um, And it's just surprising to me that there are so few AMP models compared to the enormous wealth of other tweakable parameters there are on the base end of things. I like the that idea. Said, I said, want... it looks like sorry. a great product, and I, I... I'm sorry. That said, it looks like a great product, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal to me. But it was just notable to me that there's only two M models at the end of all. Yeah, it.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, it's amazing, isn't it? I can I can manage to interrupt my only guest. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. I I paused.
0: <laughs> I thought you I was in it? there. I saw you it. Saw I, the whole you I saw. It. For. I went and I went for it. And I, the thing for me about um, model stuff is it's quite exciting. I mean, this is what I like about. Um, you know, I liked about that the, the sculpture in uh, in Logic was the fact that you could kind of, you could morph. You didn't have to go for the standard stuff. You could go, well, actually, I want my base to be 300 feet long with a body the size of the, uh, you know, QE2 and strings as thick as, do you know what I mean? That's the sort of thing that interests me where you can make these kind of like superhero bases, and it doesn't look like you could do that. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you can kind of do things like get yeah, right up to the best. bridge.
1: I don't think anybody's trying to do that with this, although you can, you know, add strings and drop pitches and you can do drop D tuning. You can do all that kind of stuff with this thing. And it's, it's really clever in the way it's, I have to say, I'm blown away. I don't know who they hired, who they found over there at IK to write this thing, but it's really pretty amazing at the base end of how many adjustable parameters that they're displaying and watching them operate. It leads me to believe that they all do some cool stuff.
0: I suppose the thing is with this, is almost like to get the most out of it, you sort of need to play it with a MIDI bass. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, there's
1: that. <laughs> there's the painstaking operation of having to actually program into MIDI the kinds of behaviors that get you the sounds you want from this sort of thing. And how far do you have to go into that? Like, how close is it to you put up a patch and you just start playing and it sounds like bass playing, which is what it needs to do. And I, I bet you, you know, it does. Well, I think on,
0: I, I think there's some key switching type of, you know, technology involved, which you would understand because people are used to the contact kind of paradigm would kind of get that. Key switching. Key switching. So, you know, by switching keys at the bottom, you know, you get different articulations, which is what you do with the SCARBY stuff as well, don't you? You kind of like... Well, con-
1: yeah, but I, when you say key switching, it almost implies that a velocity level is triggering a different kind of sample. And I don't think that by, mm. mo- by the nature of modeling that that's... Yes, you're modulating various things very deeply according to various things like velocity and and aftertouch. But but um Well, no, I mean It's not being switched.
0: No, well there <laughs> is. There there are articulations and play because if you've got slides and you've got more fret noise or that kind of thing where you can switch that kind of
1: element of the sound. That's what I mean, using keys to right. switch and right, right, understood. Of, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and there can be different things apparent in different proportions at different velocity yeah. levels, for example, and that's easier to do in some ways in modeling, I would think, than it is to do in uh, sampling. But proof's in the pudding. I bet you it sounds great. I'm really impressed with it as a product, and I'm not generally, haven't been an IK kind of guy that much, um, so... Maybe this is my, maybe this is me giving up my, I'm not so much of an IK guy. Yeah. Because it's a cool product. I was really impressed. I,
0: I'll, I'll give them a tagline for free IK, okay. Anyway, there we go. That's That'll do. Um, there are quite a lot of basses here. Um, they even got the little Hofner, the old uh, Firebird, Who bass, the, you know, various different P basses and, and G basses and what have you. So plenty of stuff there. Anyway, um, it's on sale now. You can pre-order it. I'm not entirely sure where it's coming out. 179 euros is what it'll cost you now, uh, reduced from 359, which I think is a hefty chunk, really. I'm pretty sure they won't necessarily be going to that full list price uh, anytime soon, but that's just me speculating. But good luck to because, I mean, I suppose the thing about modelled instruments, it'd be great. You know, maybe this is the beginning, because uh, as we've seen before with um the synthesizer modeling there's that you get these kind of increments and steps where suddenly all this is possible and you get a whole bunch of additional kind of instruments to take advantage of this and i wonder if this is going to sort of open the floodgates and maybe this is a whole new area for ik or indeed other dsp coders who just you know know how to uh, get the most from this sort of technology right we'll see okay right Um. Now, the. Uh, well, let's do. Uh. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the ad now because uh, the next topic was actually an Isotope to- topic as well because they've brought out Neutron, which is, looks also very interesting. But before we do that, let's just say hello and welcome to Isotope, our sponsors. They're telling you about Vocal Synth, which is a four element vocal processing plugin. Vocal synth got polyvox, which does harmonies, unison, and octaves. There's also a vocoder module, which is more your classic robotic vocals from another world. Compuvox, which is more, I guess, Sennheiser y, and of course, the talk box, which, as I like to say, is without the dribbling if you've ever used one in real life you can download a copy of isotopes vocal synth free of charge and check it out with any without any limitations i think it's 10 days isotope.com forward slash vocal synth once again we thank isotope for their continued sponsor of the show and in fact we have a competition this week again uh where you can win a copy of vocal synth i will run this uh this week uh i think this is that i've got this awful feeling i might have used this tag already but i can Sort it out by date. Uh, I want to see the vocal, the, the hashtag I am robot and the hashtag Vocal Synth to at Sonic State and at Isotope inc That's if you're on Twitter, which is the way to enter this competition. Tweet the hashtag I am robot and hashtag Vocal Synth to at Sonic State and at Isotope inc Once again, we sponsor. We we appreciate their sponsorship and i uh, hope that you enjoy the product. Right. Uh, also, uh, last week we had. Um, a similar competition, and uh, we have a winner for that. And the the winning tweet was, in fact, "I'm going voco loco for Vocal Synth." Thanks, Isotope Inc. and Sonic State. And this is from the real Ken Chase, which is all one word. So, uh, Mr. Real Ken Chase, if you're out there, please do get in touch, and uh, we will put Isotope in touch with you, and you'll get your f- full bona fide mm. copy of Vocal Synth. Once again, we thank them for their sponsorship of the show. Right, um, this was the next topic. Now, what's this? This is Video 3, which is another video from Isotope, But this is new mixing technology, which is called Neutron. It's a suite of plugins that really kind of automatic... It seems to me it's it's a compression EQ, multiband compression and, and EQ but it's got some really interesting analysis tools that basically says, yeah, I think this is what you should be doing on this track. And there's something called a masking meter, which basically you run across the tracks and it tells you what you should set your other channels at because there are overlapping frequencies. So you can get things more in focus, which as far as I can tell is a first. I won't play all of this because there's also another video which they posted, which is of the track assistant. The track assistant essentially does that. It analyzes the track you're on. It looks at it and has a guess at what it thinks you should do. And what's really clever about it is it kind of goes, yeah, this needs multi-band compression. And I think the crossovers should be here and here. This needs maybe two sets of compression, you know, maybe a soft and a hard. It also deals with the EQ and throws in EQ and also decides whether some of those bands want to be dynamic because it's analyzing it. And this, this this is the new stuff. And this is something that is is actually really fascinating. I mean, I don't know how. how whoops! I nearly got your drink in there, Rich. I don't know how you feel All about right. that, Rich. In terms of you know, because it's essentially, uh, you know, it's not it's not the Microsoft paperclip, thank goodness. But it's it, it it's an interesting concept in that it will assist you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed.
1: It's some delicious iced coffee right there. Oh, um, well, that sounds good. Yes, uh, very interested in uh, this product. And the both the track assistant and the masking meter are its two most obvious sort of support tools that allow you to apply its processes in some very interesting ways and apply their analysis tools, which they've become legendary for in the last whatever decade or so, uh, to these new ways of approaching mixing now the guy on this shoulder i'm not sure who's got the halo here or the <laughs> but the guy on this shoulder thinks you should be able to hear that anyway but the guy on this shoulder understands why having their view of it and letting them an- analyze it and show you what they find can't possibly be a bad thing, assuming that it's reliable and I haven't used it, but I assume that it is reliable because their stuff is very good. So um, will I find a day where that masking meter is showing me something that's going to enable me to achieve low frequency clarity that I've only dreamed of in the past? Could be. I don't rule it out by any stretch of the imagination will their track assistant analysis provide me with starting points that make me happy on a consistent enough basis to make me want to use it a lot. Could be, I hope so. Um, The presets that come in their vast body of previous work, generally speaking, don't rock my world, even when their plugins do. So there's a side of me that's skeptical about their ability to determine through analysis whether what they think should happen is what I think should happen. But I'm absolutely not averse to asking, and uh, I'm the same way on a session with assistants. I ask a lot. They're usually surprised how much I want to know what they think or what they would do. Yeah, because it stimulates the conversation. It makes me think. It makes them feel involved and included, which is a beautiful side benefit to it. But it uh, it stimulates the the environment. They meet a lot more people than I do in an average month. So uh, I'm interested to know what they're thinking. Yeah, and that's the same with this plugin. That's why they call it Track Assistant. and It's cool. I like to hear. I'd like to see what Isotope thinks. I might do with this and hear what the result is and compare it to what I envisioned for that thing to do.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's got, I mean, because I mean, for this sort of thing, it almost feels like there should be a kind of growing body of knowledge, you know. So if I plug it in, put it into my DOW and it suggests X and I go, actually, I prefer Y. Does it send it back to the mothership and go, actually, in this case scenario, maybe you should you should suggest, you know, we should tinker with it. the algorithm is self learning, perhaps? I mean, maybe I mean, I'm guessing here, but I mean, it sounds like there's quite there's kind of potential there for some AI stuff and machine learning going on, because if it's just taking fingerprints and parameter locks and what have you, then it it, it would make sense for that to
1: happen. So you're already basically modulating the library against which it's comparing all of these things and making its decisions.
0: Yeah. Well, it could. It, 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 it could it, well, it, could, it would make sense. It could only get better. I mean, there's no way. No, that...
1: understood. I'd be impressed if it could just consistently enough re- release a good result with probably the fixed library of behaviors that it's expecting. Or you know, I, I'm with you on that. It should learn how we work. Yeah.
0: I got an email from uh, Chickie Reeves. Charles, he said he he couldn't make it this week, but he was saying he bought this when it came out and he said it's really rocked it. You know, it's really changed the the way he does a lot of things because it's just, it it can create some really... Because it's got all this internal busing as well, which can work kind of across tracks. So you can end up with a situation whereby the kick drum track... Can send uh, ducking signals and frequency dependent signals to the bass track, yeah. and then EQ that dynamically based on its input. So there's something clever into so this of inter plugin instantiation communications. God, that's a mouthful. Yeah. but that's the stuff that's really interesting with the uh, with something called the uh masking meter or uh, is it masking meter where it shows you know where these blurred lines you can say well maybe you should look at the overlap between the guitar track and the bass track and you know maybe create a bit of space in there and those are the sort of things that you know uh, probably easy to see visually and not always easy to uh, to hear and go i know exactly what's going on there i need i know how to fix that so I mean, I suppose that whole concept of the track assistant and that 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 metering does sound really useful. I mean, I don't know. Do you use anything like that? I mean, uh, John Van Eaton in the chat room said, you know, why don't you just use a, a spectral analyzer across the mix and look at it that way? But it doesn't give you quite the same information, right?
1: Well, it's it's doing that substantially. But what it's doing is it's it's housing, it's housing it within a plug-in format, not unlike the way FabFilter has done the same thing with their EQ. And enables you to, and in addition to all that, as you point out, uh, enables you to apply processes across two different tracks that can be, at their most extreme example, the absolute inverse of each other. So where one is ducking something, one is boosting something, and you can actually create inverse behaviors uh, based on a varying series of input parameters. But... But uh, essentially, that's what they're doing, is they are doing analysis. I understand on some level analysis is analysis, but they're applying, uh, especially as it relates to polyphonic analysis, as uh, uh, reflected in their RX products, they're applying some really interesting um, intelligence to trying to generate results out of their analysis. And I'm sure it reflects the tastes of the people who were there for whom I have respect and have uh, peripheral knowledge of. And uh, Jonathan Weiner and the various other people who are over there at Isotope are very, very competent and well-trained and able people. And so they're getting good advice and uh, they execute generally really good, effective products. I might quibble their GUIs on occasion as being a little tweaky, but they're not hard to operate
0: at all. Well, that's good. I mean, I think the thing is also, what's interesting about this is it's almost, I mean, in the way that we've, mixing has developed from kind of moving faders to automating parameters of plugins, this is kind of almost like a sort of macro automation system, isn't it? But it's based on analysis. So you can macro tweak that EQ, you can macro tweak the crossover point, you can have all of these things kind of happening in real time so you get much more dynamic because that's the you know that since the right. advance of uh dynamic eq which is something that's really kind of changed a lot of people's lives it's not something that i've used myself but i mean you know a lot of the people that we speak to say it's absolutely ground check you know it's a game changer because it means that you can you can clean up stuff and keep it clean depending on what the notes are played and all that stuff i mean that's the thing that's kind of interesting and that's very complex i suppose
1: frequency based stuff so um, I would bet that some will assert that this is a very, very fancy and complicated way of sucking the life out of all of everybody's mixes <laughs> and to reduce the amount of individuality that is possible between you and I. Should you and I approach the same multitrack mix with this set of tools and apply their track assistant to these tracks? Uh, in other words, that, we we what,
0: end up with the same result, yeah.
1: Well, sort of, or to what extent we would uh, get close. Um I don't tend to think of that, think of it that way. Like I said, I'm interested to see what it would suggest. And I don't know how much I would use what they were pointing to or how valuable I would find it. I suspect I would find it valuable and I would find a way to deal with it, whether I liked their way or not. So I think, again, information's power and it's cool that they're applying their analysis tools this way. Um, and it looks like to me the next generation... Of what they had built up through Ozone to, I don't know, version 7 or 8 or whatever uh, whatever they're up to now. And they're fantastic, you know, the Ozone plugins. And uh, no quibble there. And no quibble with the RX and no quibble with Alloy and no quibble with the vocal yeah. stuff. and I have no quibble with them. Uh, it's, if I do, like I said, it has to do with little uh, interface issues. But, but uh, this even looks like a cleaner interface to me than Ye- what had been presented in the past.
0: Well, you can uh you could buy it now. Uh there's Neutron, which is the basic model, which comes with uh traccent masting mist meter and true peak limiter and 500 presets for 199 or you can get the advanced. as a soft in the case with theirs. They do an advanced version, and you get additional equaliser and masking mixer, individual compressors, surround sound, up to 7.1, or get as a part of a bundle. But your cheapest option is a couple of hundred bucks, which, considering what sort of change it could make, you know, it might be well be worth checking out, and I'd imagine at some point in the future we might be able to talk them into uh, offering it up as a prize on the podcast after we get done with vocal synth. That would be kind of pretty awesome. But, yeah, I just wanted to cover it, because it does seem like... Actually quite a big deal in terms of new mixing technology, certainly in the box anyway. okay mm-hmm. right uh, let's try this guy now uh, here's a video that looks really expensive and does and does starch, nothing really
1: really quietly
0: <laughs> this is of course Spitfire audio Albion V Tundra. Hundred-piece orchestra in your back pocket. In your back pocket, percussion. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of different uh, stuff going on here, but what's really interesting about this is they've basically they got hundred-piece orchestra and they got everybody to play as quietly as possible, and then down to sort of nothing. So all of these tones well, are, 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 are recorded at very quiet. Play. That's the that's the sales pitch anyway. But and and I think there's some beautiful sounds in there. And they got drone shots and helicopter shots. But um, Spitfire Audio, for those who don't know, they've kind of started out as a couple of uh, composers who decided to make their own stuff and do some other bespoke things. And this is kind of, it's become quite a big company. You know, they've they have really, you know, last year we saw them with a massive booth at NAM and, and Music Messer, And so it's obviously going very well for them. And so they're putting these heavy production values into their sample libraries. I know uh, Ty, who couldn't make it today, he said... He really loves their stuff, you know. So, And this is just a a new thing. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, it's because it's... Think about orchestra samples. I mean, you get good ones and you get good ones. But the difference is, I suppose, is how they approach it. And this looks like quite a a unique
1: approach, shall we say, Rich? It does. It's another gorgeous example of deep contact programming from what I can see. Um, It's... After listening to a lot of their musical examples and watching a bunch of their videos, I am I have come to the conclusion that this thing is like soundtrack in a box. Um because all of the sonic examples they give it are sound like soundtracks to a movie you've never seen. Um and they they're all kind of inspired by the way soundtrack work has been going and it probably makes getting those kinds of textures into your work very easy and quick. And uh, I do love using contact. So, but it was interesting because across whatever six different demos and stepping through them three, four, five minutes each, I found a pretty solid consistency of overall texture that tended to vary across four or five different areas. But generally speaking, I wouldn't say everybody's stuff sounded the same because it didn't, but it certainly sounded similar. And uh, it all seemed to come out of a particular ethos that's no doubt very, very well represented in this product. I found myself quite interested in this product because I'm not sure there's anything else that really covers what it does in the way that it does. But uh, it's kind of... I'm not sure if it's real record... I don't know if I see it as a record-making...
0: Software no, I mean, I think I mean to be fair, the uh, the two guys behind it, are Paul Thompson and Christian Henson. Christian Henson is the guy in the video, and he's on a lot of the Spitfire videos. I mean, he's obviously a super smart composer, but he works to picture. Yeah. I mean, most of their stuff is designed to work to picture. Though I think a lot of a lot of the sounds can easily be incorporated into electronic productions and stuff. I mean, I don't think there's yes. many people doing that, but maybe that's something that you no, know, we'll start to see as because these are very unique sounds. This kind of whole muted orchestra has. Uh, a very specific I and mean, this thing about muted instruments generally, they can start to sound completely different. I, I remember I did uh I worked on um the edits for uh, Apollo uh London saxophone group I can't remember what it was called exactly but it was a load of Michael Nyman arrangements just done with saxophones. And they were doing things where they were all playing super quiet. And it all started, it just sounded like French horns. And then it sounded like, I mean, it was amazing. All these amazing dynamic differences between ensembles of musicians playing at different uh, uh, dynamic ranges. And, it, and And I guess that's what they're looking for here. I mean, the video that we started to play was all about the sort of mood and the vibe of Arvo Paillat. And, you know, this kind of sombre, solemn, uh, soft languid kind of soundscape and i'm sure there's more to it i mean i haven't had the
1: chance to check all of these hours huge but that's their sort of world that they're operating in right yes and a lot of his demos he's all over the mod wheel and everything starts out really really quietly and you're like struggling to hear things which on the one level gives you a feeling of how they applied their recorded at the edge of silence idea and, and apply it to this thing. But as soon as you hear everybody else's demos, it starts out, bah! you know, it's got like big, loud beginnings on it and stuff. And very grandiose kind of, you know, strings with harps and swirling textures behind it. And it all, it's, it's interesting. I think you'd really have to play with it to know exactly how to apply it to your stuff, but it sure does sound good. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really, I was impressed with the, the ethic and the sound and the overall presentation again i was a little surprised at how much how similar those six demo pieces that they present on the on the website sound to each other in in, in a way i've got but, a few uh, yeah, they got, all sound good and all the guys who did them are obviously very accomplished musicians so it's not a quibble like that
0: yeah there's uh... yeah you get that texture you get that texture Oh, this sounds like they're playing louder than they were supposed to. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, this is the stuff, isn't it? This is kind of really. This is by Harnack Mudar. I'm guessing I pronounce it. That's how I pronounce it.
1: It was a good try, in any case, though.
0: I don't know. I mean it's interesting because I mean in the same way, I mean I've just been looking at the uh Deep mines, uh, obviously here. And a lot of these kind of polysynths as well are expanding into this world of really sort of ambient, uh, atmospheric, muted kind of sounds. It seems to be, I mean, maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the kids are necessarily into this, but certainly sort of the people who are commissioning programs and maybe looking for kind of uh, vibes and atmospheres to some of the stuff they're doing. This is the kind of world they inhabit. Anyway, it's on sale at the moment. Uh, You can get it for... Let me have a look. It's available as part of the album album bundle. Gosh, there's so much information on this page. I think there's actually some pricing information down here somewhere. The, they've got synths in it
1: too. Yeah, they've got a couple of different kind of synth engines going on. One of which uh, allows you to apply randomness in varying amounts to various things, and it's uh, it's pretty deep. That's the thing that, that's,
0: that's the contact script uh, contact scripting, I guess that that you could do with that engine, right? I guess, yeah. I,
1: I, I, not, I'm out of my league on that question.
0: But. I think if I've got it right here, I think the intro price is 299 UK pounds. Uh, it's 329 standard, which you know people do say, "Oh, that's a huge amount of money." But actually, you know, when you consider the amount of work and the cost of the, producing just the promo video, you know, it must be. And
1: there's nothing that does exactly this. I mean, no. it really does make available a, a set of textures that you'd have to work all day to get. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of cool with that part of it. The, the strings in a lot of the demos tended to be a bit thin, for example, and not warm. Right. Even though they claimed to have like gobs and gobs of them, it, it kind of got kind of, you know, edgy in that mid 60s French detective movie kind of way. <laughs> that's all
0: right. Hey, look what we've got. We've just, uh, just arrived. Right. That's Ty. Th- that's I not mean- Mark Tinley. That's Ty. Mark Tinley was supposed to be here, and Ty said he might be, but he's breathing hard. He's obviously just run up the garden path.
2: <laughs> Do you know why I've had to run up the garden paths? To go and unplug all the TVs.
0: Ah, so we can get some internet.
2: <laughs> yeah, So Sorry, to, I know. To, uh, Hang uh, on I'm, a second. It's going to be a bit ad hoc today, if that's okay.
0: That's all right. That's kind of how I'm feeling, to be honest. So it's perfectly all right. It's going to be um, oh, start- sh- sugar. Here's sugar. There we go. There, look, Scott. Ty, we were just talking about the Spitfire audio stuff. Have you downloaded Tundra? Have you kind of checked it out, or are you uh, in the process? I guess with an internet that crappy, it's probably still downloading, right?
2: <laughs> I'm really fortunate because uh, you know I'm not going to hide the fact that I know the Spitfire guys, and um, so I've got Tundra, and um, I I I, yeah, I can't explain. <laughs> it's 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 essentially a dream. I know. I mean, I know for Christian. It was, um, this was always the library that he wanted to make. Um, and for for what I do and for what a lot of, you know, kind of media composers do, when I say this is a dream library, it really is genuinely, this is what we've wanted for decades. Why? And um, and they're the first people to do it. And it's, it's hard for people that don't understand orchestral writing, it's, it's hard to kind of explain that we're so used to string patches and, uh, you know, woodwind patches and brass patches. and But with a real orchestra, with real players, the, the the amount of expression and different articulations that they can get out, they never get sampled. So many of those kind of textures, they never get sampled. And so they're the first company that have um, just gone, you know what, no, we're going to do it our way. We're going to do our thing. And it's... It, Beautiful. Ah. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful library. And um, just, but it, it's not just limited to soundtrack stuff. It's just, it's a texture that you won't really have heard before. It's almost granular. It's almost, it has a kind ah. of sense of granular synthesis about it as well. But it's, it's completely natural. It's, it's um, phenomenal. Really beautiful library.
0: Ah, right, okay. So I do well, know what that...
2: you've said about it, but that's, if you had to turn around to me and say, sum it up in two minutes, that's what I'd say.
0: Right, okay. Have you used, I mean, where, have, you, have you used it? I mean, you know, the sense I get yes. from the, the demos is, you know, the articulations are all sort of quite slow and legato, but I'm guessing that's not the case at all. I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff in here, right?
2: There is an awful lot of stuff in there, and also in terms of the, um, I don't know whether, have you talked about the Evo system? No. Nope. The, move, the movement? Yeah,
1: a little. They, yeah. Uh,
2: so they do what are called the grid system, the Evo grid systems, where there's a lot of movement going on. Um, and essentially, so you can assign different regions, different sets of uh, rhythmic... Or, they're not even rhythms, they're developments. Um, and they're like kind of mini orchestrations for each note. And you can basically assign these with key... Um, Um, assignment patches across the keyboard and so just by literally loading in patches and playing a chord you don't just get the same movement per patch so say for example E will be a certain kind of movement and a certain kind of development the G will again be a a different um, sample with a different slight orchestration so you play one chord and you just get this evolving moving texture which is, I, 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 um, I mean, I said, I, I, I can't, I can't kind of put into words how exciting it is from, from my point of view. And I know from Christian's point of view, because I spoke to Christian about it, who uh, is him and Paul are basically they're in charge of Spitfire. And he said from his point of view, I found out about this weeks ago. He, from his point of view, this was the library he always wanted to make. Right. And from my point of view, it was the library I always wanted to have. So okay. it's um, very exciting for me
0: well that I mean that sounds like a good summary we have spent a bit of time on this but I'm glad you came in to uh, to join us with sorry. that. no sorry, that abs- I'm
2: sorry, I'm late,
0: no, no that's absolutely fine it's not a problem you've you've come in at just the perfect time in fact um going from the kind of sublime to the uh, to the not so sublime there was another topic that I, I covered uh, we, we, we've thought about it a bit last week which was it's a uh, um, uh, uh, some writing by a chap called Lawrence English, who's basically done a study on how things, how sound has been used in kind of conflict and warfare and how, you know, that certain sounds can create these kind of really intense emotion, which I'm guessing is sort of the antithesis of what, or the opposite of what you might want to do with a soundtrack, but it's still going to create emotions. And there's a really interesting piece on uh, ABC um, radio in the U in the States uh, in Australia, what am I talking about? An interview with him where he just goes through various different uh, sounds, and there's the uh, uh, the Aztec Death Whistle. Now, this is, I don't know if you ever heard this, but the Aztec Death Whistle, the, the, basically it's a chronology of sounds and things that are used that have really powerful effects on people, and it's to do with the frequencies that uh, they operate at, like alarms always t- happen in the sort of 1 to 2K region, which always grabs people' attention, you know. And the, the, uh, let's see if I can get the Death Whistle going, because it, it sounds Absolutely horrible. I
2: you mean, know, in a, in a, yeah,
0: <laughs> I'll try and turn it down because I have to say,
1: I want to show you this, I want to share with you this very unique instrument we call the dead whistle. The dead whistle, the Aztec use for special ceremonies for Day of the Dead celebration, and also they use when they have a War.
0: Can you imagine a thousand of these blowing? <laughs> Wait till you hear it.
1: They play over a hundred instruments. A <laughs> hundred dead whistles. Or oh, a hundred even. marching And make a lot of noise. Yeah. To cause a big psychological effects to the enemy. So this is very intimidating instruments. And this is very unique. So this is the dead whistle.
0: I'm going to hold the phone. That's just that's just so horrible. It just sounds, it sounds like one of those uh, those horror 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 films, crew. Can you imagine a hundred of those coming towards you? I mean, I'd run a mile. I don't think. Uh, I, but there the, was just an interesting concept in the whole uh, notion of how to, how sounds could be used. And what one thing that was very interesting also is they were playing uh, you know examples of tracks that they were using in psychological you know when they in, in to- interrogation situations. One of which was. Uh, the, the the Barney the uh, um, I'm trying to remember if I've got the um, let's have a look yeah. I love you, Barney and friends, and, you know, some death metal. And they would alternate death metal with Barney. And uh, I read somewhere that the uh, the, the composer of uh, the Barney tune was really upset that his stuff was actually being used to kind of, you know, torture people effectively and get them to give up information. But it just struck me as a really interesting concept altogether. And there was, a, I don't know if you've, have, Ty, I mean, you do a lot of soundtrack work. I'm guessing probably more than Rich, you might have been asked to create a sound that was, you know, some way going towards making people feel really, really uncomfortable, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've had to do those kind of textures quite a lot. Yeah, um, I did a whole series a few years ago, which was all kind of true kind of horror stories, and there was lots. It was very textural, and there was lots of that going on. And um, yeah, it did, I mean, to, to create those kind of sounds is just lots of dissonance, lots of volume, lots of lots of clashes lots of very tight frequencies together um lots of prepared piano lots of string harmonics yeah i mean they're fun to do but my god they sound awful but in that's what they want i think this whole subject is really interesting because um there's two main components that go on with, with this well there's three in terms of the the um the barn and the bear thing it's the repetition basically it's it's the kind of that's how that one's used it's literally the same thing again and again and again which can essentially you know you can imagine just drive you around the bend then you get onto frequency
0: here it is
1: there we go
0: yeah i can imagine uh, for maybe ah, 12 to 16 ah. hours <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> distressing <laughs> I think we we talked about this. I think we talked about this before about the problem of working on something disturbing, like maybe a horror film soundtrack, or something that you're trying, you know, having to, you know, go back to the mix when somebody says, "Yeah, it's not quite." You just have to keep listening and keep listening. It must be very difficult to work on this stuff because obviously it's having a similar effect on you as it's supposed to have on the audience, right? It
2: it is. It it is, and I think, but you know, and but there's that element. There's repetition element. I have to say that I'm no I'm no great fan of death metal, and I I listened to the example that you put up, and I have to say that I would have struggled to listen to more than five five minutes of that because um, yeah, I'm not a death metal fan. I'm I'm struggling to recognise it as music, to be fair. Um, but the, the whole the whole using music as a as a, a kind of a weapon kind of thing is is really interesting because we all know you can take anything any tune and if you if you increase it in terms of decibel level, yeah. that becomes painful. You know everyone everyone knows that everyone's had the experience where they've been to a gig and there's been that one note that's been just that bit too loud and so piercing your hearing starts to hurt. So you can understand why that's a kind of weapon. The other thing is obviously what you're saying about frequencies because it's been well known now that, especially in the First and Second World War, they were developing uh, instruments that were based on frequencies because certain frequencies can do certain things, whether it be uh, really ultra in the high range, so above our hearing, which can have psychological effects and it it can affect our moods, right down to the really low stuff that we essentially feel. And when you go down to those really low notes... They can have a real effect on your body. And a century ago, or a long, long time ago, they were developing the frequency that essentially could make you um, go to the toilet involuntary, whether you wanted to or not, because they basically learned, they found out what frequency um, coincided with the resonance of your bells or something oh, like geez. that. And it basically yeah. made you, and they've already developed instruments <laughs> that can make you vomit that, that exist to this day. Therefore, there is, a, uh, there is a weapon that was developed that our, our, our body, you know, kind of is, uh, our body cavity will, like a glass or like anything else, have has a resonance. And so once they have essentially can find the resonance of, of you. your body cavity, you can go from, this is all fat, this isn't made up. They can either go from making you feel uncomfortable to making you vomit to essentially making your organs explode. And this is all fat. This isn't made up. This is all out there so sound is very you know can be very very dangerous
0: yeah, so. oh, yeah absolutely absolutely i know rich have you ever been in a situation in the studio where there's something about you know a fundamental in the track and there's maybe a big um sub driver in you know big studio monitors and you've just, it's it, it's done something that's made everybody go oh no no i'm not got to get rid of that what is it
1: well there was an engineer who shall remain nameless for the purposes of this story at least, who used to like to boost the lows and the highs on uh, certain instruments such that I used to joke that we would be running from the control room to the bathroom covering our ears because it was exciting both ends of the biology. Um, But the truth is, no. (laughs) I mean, I have been in incredibly loud control rooms and I bring earplugs for these occasions, even when I'm the engineer because I just can't stand to be in that for 15 minutes and then go back to work like my ears are working normally. It won't work that way. Um, So I I do things to protect my hearing when I'm in incredibly loud environments and have done since I was a kid. But uh, everything Ty said made sense. Everything that's in this story makes sense. I get it. It was an interesting thing about the sounds they would add. I think some of it, the parts that aren't biological, you know, specifically, you know, the parts that make, you know, your organs burst, um, is is psychological in terms of what you're conditioned to hearing in what percentage at what Sound pressure level, high frequencies in particular that are amplified to really, really high sound pressure levels are going to cause a lot of pain and discomfort for people. It's just the way we're built. Um, I suspect I, other animals hear it differently. Yeah, well, that's true.
2: I went to see, uh, see Jean-Michel Jarre, uh, I don't know if it was, was it last week? or It was last week, I think. And I have to say, the sound levels there... Where, where, where we were sat were, it was so loud it was so loud and you know wow. I'm used to working in very loud studio conditions I, I, I monitor I, I, I monitor generally at quite quiet levels but then I have sudden bursts of very loud levels and um, so I'm used to loud music never an issue um, and I always just I've got something called flare little ear protector things that I take just in case and, um, my God, yeah, the Jean-Michel's fantastic sound. The sound system was incredible, but it was, there was some frequency in there that were really starting to be really painful for me.
0: That's and, interesting. Um, I- I'm surprised they got away with it because there's so much control over uh, sound system. I mean, maybe there was just a node where you were, where it was just absolutely. moving around in it, right?
2: It could, it could well have been exactly that because, it, you know, there was no distortion. It was totally clean. And uh, it was just around the kind of 4Ks. There was just a few oh. bits where the 4Ks were just going absolutely mental. And, um, yeah, really painful, really
1: painful. Surely the room would be lighting up at those sound pressure levels at some those kinds of frequencies, assuming it was you built would, out of what most rooms are built out of. Yeah, yeah. I
0: suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the worst one for me was definitely uh, uh, One Direction in Birmingham. Uh, so many 10,000 yeah. screaming girls uh i had to, i happened to have a pair of earphones with me and i had to put them in because my I, i've said this before my, my 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 i felt bones vibrating in my head and i just thought this is not mm-hmm. necessarily so good uh, uh... for what for one <laughs> and that was really and <laughs> awesome. i've never heard it. it was a bit like uh the uh the the, the death whistle
1: <laughs> but yeah. times,
0: uh, yeah. times 10,000 rather than just times 100. And it was astonishing. I mean, they weren't screaming, you know, with anguish. So that was there was joy behind it, which obviously made it less distressing, but it was still very, very powerful. But, yeah, it's interesting. In fact, um, when I posted this on our uh, Facebook channel, there was uh, um, somebody posted the, uh, the the Kate Bush video, which is just... Which was a story about this, in fact. Uh, Kate Bush experiment for... They said they told us what they wanted was a sound that could kill someone from a distance to record it. And then, you know, th- it's a great song, actually. And I, I heard it and they use dissonance in there, but they don't go too b- bad. They, in fact, that video was banned and, and the tune was banned on top of the pops because uh, it was thought to be too distressing because Kate Bush appears as a, a beautiful sort of a, a angel and then turns into a banshee quite graphically. And it's sort of is a bit upsetting, perhaps, if you are under 12, perhaps. So maybe that's why they did it. But uh, anyway... Ah, oh, I seem to be being rung, which is not so good. I don't know where my phone is, but i have to leave it. <laughs> on on uh, the
1: subject of concerts that are so loud you had to leave the room, I saw Ziggy Marley once, and um, like Ty's recent experience with Mr. Jarre, um it was insanely loud and very clear, but it was so loud yes. that I had to leave the room, and there was no part of the building I could be still in and not have feel my organs vibrating with the low end of yeah. this concert in that space
2: but the thing is you kind of get to the stage where low end these days you kind of get to come to expect the low end to be down there and for you, you can feel your innards rumbling away you kind of expect that but yeah the, I, I kind of those days have been so harsh that it's you know because normally as we know the distortion starts to kick in and you kind of it changes the quality of sound but this was just it was so pure and so clean that it just went straight through you. But
0: you know. It's interesting. I mean, I think because I used to do a lot of live sound and I always found the transition from a pair of stacks at either side of the room, I've said this before and I probably will have repeated myself, to the flown arrays where it was much more efficient. I found that really difficult because I was used to the to the adrenaline that a kind of more pointy sound system provided and I I like to think I knew how to work it so it was never I'd never push it too far but it generated Mm -hmm. enough excitement and enough adrenaline for the audience to kind of get hyped up and enjoy it and then you know I I was always very resistant to people kind of pushing it too far because you know that then it does become like difficult and I, I wouldn't want my ears to ring of course because I was that was my job but I miss to some degree, that slight amount of imperfection and distortion that you get with with the older rigs, even though, you know, obviously they'd be cost a fortune to lug around because they're so inefficient. But so, you know, there is, there's, a, there's a trade-off. I went to see Massive Attack um, on the Clifton Downs a while back, and they were good. And they, you know, they just turned it up really loud. And it, what was exciting about that was the the depth of the sound you know the bottom end and those kind of occasional notes that just rang out and that, that's a beautiful thing when you hear that and that was my daughter was there you know she's only 12 and she'd never been to a gig like that and she spent the whole time dancing because she'd never experienced so much yeah. range of sound because she's just used to listen, listening to stuff on YouTube and you know earbuds can I, just,
2: can I just say one quick thing only while you mention Massive Attack anyone that hasn't listened to the latest I can't remember no, the latest Massive Attack single have you have you heard it, Nick? Not um, sure. I can't remember which one. The one with um my head's going I've been at a long meeting, sorry. Um their last single that uh, came out, it's a double A side, I think. And it's oh gosh, this is so Come embarrassing. Near me. Uh no.
0: Uh The Spoils. The spoils. Dear Friend. If you
2: if if you haven't heard that, that is one of the best tracks to have been released in a in a you know a good couple of two or three years.
0: Oh, well, I'll and, check that out. I did really um, enjoy them, they were very, very good.
2: The, completely slipped under the radar, and because there's no big, you know, kind of announcement, but Be- you absolutely beautiful song, beautiful song, beautiful arrangements, and the electronics on it are to die for. So, definitely check it out.
0: I will. Thank you for the tip. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else there to add, Rich, but it feels like it's probably about time to uh, to head off into the just, sunset, but yeah, please do. Just
1: briefly, um, because I understand the spirit of what you're saying about the old days and when you had this stuff stacked on either side of the stage and you were su- sort of using the brute force method as judiciously as possible to create the proper level of excitement. However, flown line array... PAs in large spaces have completely revolutionized what can be done in them and the uniformity that you can present from the front to the back in an arena. So when you're standing, and I know you know this, when you're standing at the front of house mixing position, listening to a well-performed mix in a large arena, it sounds like you're just in a big recording studio. Yeah, that's true. And that's incredible because if I don't know if you guys remember what, you know, hockey rink sounded in the early 70s, but uh, it wasn't pretty. And (laughs) and, uh, it's amazing now how much clarity can be projected to a large percentage of that space, which was not designed in any way to support this kind of behavior and uh, effectively present something that's pleasant to listen to at some level. In our case, we're quite often limited. There's usually some kind of house police hanging out with a DB meter that's running what the front of house guys are allowed to do in any given spot. Now, there are some spots where that's probably not the case, and it may even be in some band's writer that you're not allowed to have that be the case, and they may book the venues accordingly. But most of where we play, there is a top end to what our front of house guy is allowed to present, and uh he works within that, and it sounds fine and I'm sure it's quite loud enough I mean yeah. from what I can what do I know I'm on stage but <laughs> <laughs> but uh and anybody who's on stage and pretends to know has a serious problem, right. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for that uh, final
0: piece of wisdom. I think it's probably time for us to uh, knock it on the head. Uh, just before we go, uh, I want to say thank you very much to uh, Isotope for sponsoring the show. If I just throw the competition up again, uh, tweet the hashtag I am Robot on the hashtag VocalSynth to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That's the hashtag I am Robot on the hashtag VocalSynth to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That's on Twitter, of course, to win a copy of VocalSynth. Just remains to me to say thank you very much, Ty, for your thanks for coming in at the last minute there. I very much appreciate it i hope we didn't throw so you sorry out. i'm late
2: today sorry that's I'm all right today. it's
0: been a pleasure as ever it's not mark tinley as it says below but he's uh an imposter <laughs> we weren't expecting him and in fact i think
2: mark of the day. that's fine
0: well that's fine but thank you very much ty It'd been a pleasure having you uh of course uh, uh, and look forward to it again and also uh mr rich hilton over there who i'm sure is waiting to jump in a speeding limousine to go and make some uh chart topping music
1: with Noel rogers right waxing hotties day in and day out <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i'm sure it must be a very very rewarding process anyway that's it of for course. this week thank you very much everybody we'll see you next time that was sonic talk number 468 don't forget to subscribe if you like this and more i oh, don't forget actually uh i've got uh, analog heats coming up soon we've also got uh, a preview of, i've got uh, my full uh, deep mind 12 review coming up uh, very soon as well see you later